everyone. Welcome back to Uncovered, a true crime podcast. I'm Lily. And I'm Emma. I almost said that I was Lily. (laughs) (laughs) This is off to a great start. Uh, I guess we're going to have to start doing some business before we get into our episodes now because we're just, we're busy little people. Yes. So I actually took notes for this sometimes, so I'm not like interjecting in the middle of the story like, oh, I just remembered. (laughs) We have this new social media. Okay. We have a Twitter now mm-hmm. our tag is at uncovered atcp a true crime podcast okay that's good i like I that i thought it was kind of creative and then the next bit is a little bit of true crime news and i know this is kind of late like everybody's heard about this but do you know the case of britney drexel no i don't okay well was- maybe i do i feel like i heard that name but i don't know exactly what yeah, I've listened, I, like, I've, I've dug into the case a little bit, but she was a 17-year-old girl who went on vacation for spring break and mm-hmm. was never seen again, Oh, but her remains have been found 13 years later. Wow. Okay, I yeah. was going to ask you when. Yeah, 13 years ago. Wow. So, the next little bit of, I feel like this is so, like, cut and dry. I'm like, okay, next business. <laughs> <laughs> you just have a list. It's not, it's not I mean, you literally yet. have a list. I'm, I'm reading off my phone right now. We are taking, uh... I guess only one week off, technically, because we're recording right now. So. Yeah. Because I'm getting married in four days. Woo, woo, woo. And I am still out here recording podcasts. She's grinding. She's getting I'm it on done. Grind. I just drank that Coke, and I feel like I have to burp, but I, I don't I, burp. Oh, I just hit this. Oops. Um, I've been having to burp, too. Really? So I, I feel it like bubbling up, so I'm like cutting my, all my words really short. <laughs> so I burped a little, and then I went like this. just trying to take a deep breath okay and then i guess the last little bit we have is a trigger warning for this episode this is going to be the story of dayton leroy rogers it's kind of crazy so trigger warning for sexual assault rape Mm. murder not fun not but that's what this is i mean like we always say it's true crime podcast right and you know what if you feel uncomfortable that's okay yeah just just don't listen hopefully come for the next episode yes definitely we don't know what the next episode's gonna be no oh (laughs) i hope it's good it'll be good (laughs) oh yeah that's right you know what you're doing okay honestly i'm probably gonna take my honeymoon to like work on a case do it i mean there's gonna be nothing to do yeah it'll be fun okay are you ready yes okay Dayton Leroy Rogers was born on September 30th, 1953 in Moscow, Idaho, which you, I was born in Idaho as well. Really? I, yeah, I didn't know that. Uh, you told me that, actually. I'm a I little, just kind of forgot. I'm a potato baby. Cute. You were born on the East Coast, right? Yep. Sheesh. Okay, he was the youngest of three children, but his parents ended up adopting four more kids along oh. the way, and I couldn't find a lot about his early life, but it's presumed he began to act out and, like, mm. become a little bit of a brat when he lost his spot as the baby of the family. I'm sorry, the way you said brat. brat. A little bit of a <laughs> brat. <laughs> she felt that in her bones. Yeah, so he wasn't the baby of the family anymore, so yeah. he started throwing fits and lashing out. Uh, I couldn't find when the other kids were adopted, but he began to become a brat in about uh, seventh grade. So, okay, what is seventh grade? Is that like, is he 12? Uh, Roughly? Yeah, because yeah. eighth grade is 13, and then yeah, 14 is freshman, and that's ninth grade. Dude, that always, if I'm not Being in Being homeschooled, yeah. that messed me up. Also, like, I knew. Well, okay, here's the thing. I graduated late. So really? I was always older. 
than everybody. Oh. So it would always threw me off because I was like, well, I'm this age, but they're this age. Okay. Anyways, so he was, he was 12. He was anywhere from 11 to 13. Okay, yeah. Basically. That's so good. I also found that his parents moved around a lot, which is how he ends up in Oregon but was born in Idaho, which is funny because oh. I was born in Idaho and also ended up in Oregon. That's really weird. <laughs> and I mean, not really because now I'm in Texas, but well, yeah, uh, he would go down in history as Oregon's worst serial killer to date. Oh. So this is great. Yeah. And his whole thing of why he was like so noteworthy is obviously his kill count, uh-huh. but also because he claimed he would get these splitting headaches that would just make him have to kill. And like the only oh. way. Well, but it's weird because everyone described him as like having a weird bloodlust that no other serial killer Ew. really had. Yeah. So he would get these headaches and they would only go away after he would kill someone. And no Whoa. one, it seemed like nobody would refute that. They wouldn't be like, oh, he was lying. It sounded like it was kind of almost real. Like they they pro- thought he was like telling the truth. Oh, interesting. Because usually that's like, oh, they're exactly. lying. Like, that's so not true. In the seventh I'm grade, I'm, I am a little bit, Sorry. but I also feel like I've, I would have found a little bit of information on like yeah, that's people true. being like, Psh, liar. That's you know? very true, yeah. So in seventh grade, he was arrested. After shooting BB guns at cars, it sounds like he maintained like the petty juvenile crimes, and Mm -hmm. but his serious violence didn't come out until he was about nineteen. So fast forward to nineteen seventy two, he's nineteen at this point, with a fifteen year old girlfriend. Hashtag very illegal. Oh yikes! (laughs) On August twenty fifth of that year, nineteen seventy two, he took his girlfriend out. 15 year old to woods near eugene oregon to do what teenagers do best if you get what i'm saying (laughs) and instead of getting it on he ended up stabbing her in the abdomen with a hunting knife saying quote i just couldn't trust you anymore oh wow with what (laughs) beyond me uh and apparently, okay, that's the other thing is that he would sometimes stab people and then immediately apologize what so like this one stabbed his girlfriend and he instantly felt bad about it. And guess, guess what he did next? Oh no, what? He proposed marriage to her. Right there. Oh, while she was like dying? While she was bleeding. Was she the, dying? She wasn't dying. But just she, she, was, she, was, she was stabbed. Yeah, right. Oh my gosh. And I'd be like, um, no. So she couldn't, she couldn't even legally get her license yet. And this man was like, let's get married, I love you. Yeah, he's like a 19-year-old. <laughs> oh, what a rat. That's so, disgusting. he drove her to the hospital, and the police were notified, but he told her to say that she accidentally ended up stabbing herself. Oh, yeah, okay. Which, I get that can happen sometimes. I mean, yeah, so but... I worry, I worry a lot about accidentally stabbing myself. Earlier, <laughs> really? no, I think it was last night, I had scissors in my hand, because oh. I had a bunch of packages I had to open, and I almost tripped on one of the boxes, and I was oh. like, oh, what if I just stabbed myself? But I didn't. I... Always, my worry is that I'm going to stab somebody else on accident. Like, in the kitchen, I'll be, like, drying off a knife and, like, walking to go put it away, and somebody turns around really fast. I can't remember That's who like, I almost stabbed. I almost straight up stabbed somebody with, like, one of those big, big, like, yes. chef knives. Yes, that's what's so scary. I think I cried. So I'm always like, I'm behind you. I'm at Quarter. Quarter. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know how I was like, let's get the business out of the way so I don't forget anything? Uh-huh. Yeah, I forgot to mention. Oh, uh, no. My, this story takes place during the time frame and the area that my parents grew up in. Oh, yeah. So. That's why it kind of throws me off that he was born in Idaho. You were born in yeah, Idaho. Yeah. That's weird. It's a little I mean, it's weird. a little connection. I mean, it's not that weird, but. It's yeah. not that weird, but it's still, like. It's just kind of But, like, Woodburn, Canby, my grandpa was the city manager of Canby at one point. Yeah. And he's literally from Canby. He's in Woodburn. He's in 
I think Roseburg gets mentioned, but yeah, Portland, all that. So blows my mind. Basically, man. like the whole the whole triangle of where my parents grew up. Yeah, was that's crazy. And at the same time, and apparently they live in this tiny, tiny little town. Should I give it a shout out? Yeah, go ahead. Called Estacada. Nice. Estacada, Oregon, and apparently. That town was on the way to where he would go dump the bodies. I'm not very good with like the ge- the geography of Oregon, yeah. but Same. I think it was on the way to the Malala Forest, and he's called the Malala Forest Killer. Yeah, and he had to like drive through Woodburn to Estacada or something. I don't know. I can't even imagine growing up in that time. Like at ra- the same time, that's so like scary. my parents were like ten. I want to say they were wow. ten when he got caught. Especially as a ten year old, being like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, there's a murderer." Yeah. Am I, yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, so. wow. So for that little stabbing escapade, he ended up pleading guilty to a second degree assault charge in February of the next year, and he was only sent he was only sentenced <laughs> to four years probation time. And I don't know how the law works. I mean, I know not to break the law. Right? <laughs> I don't. I don't what, know how the law works. What's probation? Probation. Uh, oh, that's where you have to like check in with an officer, yes, right? Yeah, and you just yeah, because like, you not, have a probation. Yeah, officer. you don't violate. That's a violation of your probation. Yeah, right? that little rascal. Yes, <laughs> I can bring anything back. To I like how rascals. we're yeah, I like how yeah. we're talking about little rascals again. Uh, so this is when he begins to escalate, and almost exactly one year after his first attack on his girlfriend, he attacked two more fifteen-year-olds with a pop bottle. What? It didn't go into detail. I don't think it was anything sexual. I think he just oh. like threw a glass can of coke at someone i it so didn't it didn't awful. go into detail i looked at like multiple articles and it's I could, so weird that's like that's yeah i literally wrote which what the heck does this mean <laughs> did he just smack them with it or what <laughs> yeah right like did he just Anyways, chuck it at him Anyways. i think he did that's not that's what it sounded like mm-hmm. <laughs> that got him another second degree and a third degree assault charge and this man was acquitted due oh, to mental disease great so he stabbed one 15 year old and mm-hmm. attacked two more 15 year old girls with a pop bottle and he was acquitted due to, quote, mental disease. Mm-hmm. And, okay, this was this weird thing. Oregon has, like, a lot of weird laws when it surrounds, like, their justice system is so whack, bro. <sighs> and so the mental disease, quote, 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 that he was at was at the equivalent level of insanity by Oregon assessments, and he was sent to a state hospital where he was released from on December 12th, 1974. So how long... Was that so, from... So that was in 1973 was the attack on the girls. And then he was released from the state hospital in 1974. Oh, okay. So it was like a year. A year, yeah. Roughly. He went on to marry a woman named Sherry almost a year after his release. So, yeah, almost a year after his release. So October of 1975, he got married. And when he was 32, they had a son. Uh, oh, right great. after they were married, he raped an 18-year-old girl. I looked for her name, but I couldn't find it, so I'm going to assume this was for privacy reasons, and mm-hmm. she probably doesn't want her name out there, so yeah, I'm not going to look into that. That's awful. Uh, he was walking free while he was awaiting his trial, but he was found innocent. Oh, good. Great. Wonderful. Yeah. So great. And while he was still waiting to go to trial for that assault, mm-hmm. he yet again raped another high school girl. Dude. What? And just like his girlfriend he had when he was 19, the 15-year-old that he stabbed, uh-huh. he apologized right after. It's a little late for that. I, but. I guess so. So, and the victim said, quote, he apologized like it was all some kind of game. Yeah. Like, imagine that. Don't imagine that, but like. No, I don't, <laughs> don't want to imagine that. Uh-uh. So when this case went to trial, he pled innocent by reason of mental defect. Again, because yeah. he's like, oh, I got away with this once. I can do it again. Let me try again. Yeah. yeah. And he ended up only getting five years. 
Yeah, so the prosecutor in this case described Rogers as, quote, a murder case waiting to happen. Uh-huh. But, okay, this is the other thing with Oregon's, like, justice system, parole, like, letting people out. He was let go after 17 months. Serving, serving time. Yeah, he was paroled after only I 17 I hate months. it when stuff like that happens. No, my question is, I feel like this happens so often. Do they ever actually stay their full sentence? I don't I don't know, because sometimes it's like, oh, they get off with just, like, good behavior. They get out, because they're like, no, they can get out Yeah. earlier if they have good behavior and stuff. I guess, but still, like, it's, just because you have good behavior somewhere where you, like, you can't kill people, I guess, doesn't mean you shouldn't. You should be let out because, oh, he's not killing people in prison. Right, exactly. He's reformed. Right, exactly. So, and if you've gone multiple times, it's like, okay, clearly. Look at his, no. look at his record, man. Right. Like, that's all you need to do. Right. Uh, he violated his parole, though. And I couldn't find what he, like, what he did to violate mm-hmm. his parole. And I really, really, really want to know. I know. <laughs> so if anybody knows, please tell me. <laughs> uh, he was sent back for another 10 months. So only just over two years for those crimes. Oh, okay. And then he takes a long break. Like, mm. a just. Viciously long break. That's sus. And he, he had a mechanic shop in Woodburn. He mm. opened it himself with a relative. And he's just focusing on work. He has a kid now. He seems to be in the clear. Mm-hmm. Or so everybody thinks. From his life of attempted murders and brutalizing innocent women. But then. Oh boy. Skip to 1987. His headaches got worse. Ugh. He claimed he was working at his shop when he was actually out prowling around for prostitutes oh no so he would stay at the shop super late and his wife would call to check up on him but mm-hmm. he would leave the shop late late at night so she would be asleep and not call like midnight was around and he would start leaving mm. and on july 7th this is when we get into his first murder oh boy so, trigger warning on July 7, 1987, Heather Brown, who worked as a prostitute, woke up to take a smoke but found that she was out of cigarettes. The gas station was only a short walk away, and she was still in her clothes from the night before because she was out working. But she figured since it was short, such a short walk, why not? So she left her two younger kids with her roommate as she began to walk to the corner store. About halfway through her walk, a pickup truck that's that's right, right? Pickup truck? Yeah. That sounded wrong in my brain <laughs> for some reason. Uh, yeah, pickup rolled truck. up to her and offered her a ride. She figured it was daylight, her children were safe with someone, why not make a few quick bucks on the side? Oh. She was she was on her grind, I guess. Yeah. So she hopped in and the man who introduced himself as Steve, hint, mm. it was Dayton Leroy Rogers. Great. Dayton Leroy Rogers. <laughs> Uh, and he began driving towards the Malala Forest, away from Portland where she was picked up. They stopped at a gas station so she could get her cigarettes, and they continued driving towards the woods. This is when he began to tell her what he wanted to do to her. Oh, no. And I'm not going to repeat it because it's gross. Ew. But he, like, he leaned over and, like, touched her leg, and she... No. After what he said, it was it was gross. That's all I'm just... I'm going to say that. Yeah. And she shoved his hand away and was like, bro, drive me back to Portland right now. Yeah. And they were driving down a small road in the forest, and this pissed him off. Oh, no. So, me and you know what a back road is. Yes. Like a... Like a... Like Very a, well. A rough back road. Yes. He started going 40 miles an hour. Oh, great. Through the back road, which if you know, I mean, you know. I have done that before. Right, but you also weren't about to get murdered. Very murder true. Someone. Very true. And so she was. She started gathering her things up, and she was like, I'm going to have to jump out of this car to get away. And That's so scary. And there was a logging truck a short distance behind them, which I think was fate, because mm. just, just wait. Oh, no. Just wait. Rogers sees she's planning on, like, 
she's thinking. Right. He sees the wheels turning. She's going to jump out. So he places his arm over her chest and restrains her there <gasps> and then speeds up to around 60. Oh. So this man's going 60 miles per hour, but she's a baddie. She leaps out of the moving truck. My mouth is on the floor. No, I know. She literally jumped out of a moving truck going 60 miles an hour in the forest. That's insane. Tell me about it. And what so, a woman. And then that logging truck that was behind them. Ooh. And, okay, this is the funny, this is not the funny part. Nothing about this is funny. But the logging truck was there, and he knew that it was there. And uh-huh. so he couldn't go back around to pick her up. Because right. the logging truck would be like, what the heck is going on right here? Uh-huh. The driver of the logging truck sees her battered on the side of the road. Her eye, her eye was bleeding. <gasps> That's my biggest fear. I don't do I well with anything eyes. with eyeballs. Anything with eyes is a no no for Ugh. me. And she had like some other lesser injuries, but the main one was her eye. Mm. So he helped her into his cab and arranges for her to go to a Malala medical clinic to get checked out. And she had a concussion and some severe abrasions to her left temple area and then the eye problem and some other little cuts and scrapes. But for jumping out of a moving vehicle going 60 miles per hour, I'd say that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, that's not really she bad. She didn't... Yeah, that's pretty good. I got a concussion from playing volleyball. Like, yeah. a bad one. And she jumped out of a truck and had a minor concussion. Yeah. So good for her. So, the incident was reported to the Clackamas County Sheriff's Office, but guess what? <laughs> Nothing was done about it. Exactly. Can you believe that? Wow, crazy. Not shocked. Uh, taking a little information break before we get into his next crime, because it's, it's pretty rough. Oh, uh, boy. I will start out with some sort of a palate cleanser. Oh. This is your palate cleanser with Emma. Nice. So he had the weird habit of making himself mini screwdrivers by pouring what? little shooters of vodka into an orange juice bottle. Oh, yeah. Not like an actual screwdriver. At first I was like, wait, what? That's what I thought too for a second. Uh, yeah, I was like, how did he do that? <laughs> yeah. So like the little orange juice bottles, like the ones you get from the gas station mm-hmm. or like Starbucks even. Yeah. And he would make himself those drinks. And he did it a lot. Like, it appeared to be, like, every single day. Whoa. He was making himself some kind of drink. Mm-hmm. So, remember that. Keep that Keep that in y'all's noggins, will okay. ya? Okay. After, I'm gonna skip ahead a little bit because this is, like, my little information break. This was supposed to be a palate cleanser. I don't know what I was writing when I thought that this would be a palate cleanser because this is worse than the last thing I just talked about, so. Oh, good. <laughs> Trigger warning. <laughs> After he was arrested, a lot of other sex workers came out and just flat out said what Rogers would do to them. And he always introduced himself as Steve, a professional gambler, mm-hmm. usually from Reno, that would pay women for services, mainly including bondage. Oh. But he wouldn't stop there. Women would agree because it was, you know. I mean, it was would, their job. He would pay them a good amount of money, honestly. Yeah. And he would restrain them so tightly that they couldn't get out or loosen the restraints on their own, and he would just torture them oh, for hours. That's awful. I know. So he would sometimes bite them so hard he drew blood. He would no. cut up their feet with knives. He had a raging foot fetish. Ew. And he was specifically really into arches of feet, and he even threatened to cut one woman's breasts off. Oh, so some okay. of those ordeals lasted hours, and one one woman came forward and said that her run-in with Rogers lasted six entire hours. <gasps> That's awful. And it was so brutal that towards the end, she just she straight up just told him to kill her because she couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, she was just like, ugh. And while that wasn't an amazing break... <laughs> It was not a palate cleanser. His, it was not a palate cleanser, but... That's okay. I kind of just grouped all the really bad stuff together, so... Yeah, got it out of it the should, way. It should be, you know, kind of mid going forward. Yeah. 
Um, I just thought it was like some good insight. On yeah. How, oh, yeah. How much of an evil, yes, evil person, person he was. He is. Yeah. So was. on August sixth, Thursday. So this is about a month after his last attack. Okay. 1987. He got a real bad, bad headache. Oh no. He began drinking and planning his evening of killing. He went home and had dinner with his family. His with his 18 month old son at the time. Ew. He I went, hate that. I know. He went back to the shop because he had work to do. And after midnight, he changed his clothes and began heading towards Portland. On August 7th, 1987, by 1 a.m., so that same night, he was on Union Avenue in Portland, and this was a popular street for prostitutes and sex workers. He stopped a blonde named Jennifer Lisa Smith. She was 25 years old and had two children, and that was on the corner of Union Street in Portland. This was a sex worker he had picked up before, and so she felt pretty comfortable with him. She's like, okay, we've done this before. Yeah. Cool. And he picked her up. And this was between about 1 and 3 a.m. And they pulled into a Denny's parking lot in Oak Grove, Oregon. And it was the only restaurant open in this area. And there was a guy named Michael Fielding who lived in an apartment near the Denny's, like across the street or next door. Mm -hmm. And he was awoken by screaming. Oh, no. And props to this dude because I live in an apartment and every time I hear a weird noise, I'm like, well, that's none of my business. (laughs) not my problem that's what i would be like too and i would probably just go back to sleep but i guess i also haven't heard anybody screaming like this woman was yeah she's probably screaming like lord willing i never do yeah so he woke up because he heard the screaming and he ran to his window to see a man sprinting under a street light oh like just for that little second that he happened to see him he was under so scary it was scary but it comes back because he was the eyewitness oh so james dalkey had just shown up to denny's and was walking in the parking lot into the restaurant he heard the same woman screaming but he could see two figures a man and a woman fighting dalkey then saw a naked woman with a man kneeling over her uh the other bystander was charles gates who was handicapped and he had just showed up to denny's so i guess this place was hopping at like three or four in the morning uh he was adjusting himself into his wheelchair when he heard the same thing screaming so he quite literally rolled over there i'm glad that like three people saw it or however many people that was you'll see how much of like these guys are badasses man wait for it that's awesome so the man who was doing this to this woman is obviously none other than Mr. Dayton Leroy Rogers himself. Of course. Uh, he saw that two people were coming towards him because there was a woman on the ground screaming. Right. And they could see him, so he ran in the opposite direction. And keep in mind, this was in the middle of a Denny's parking lot, which shows yeah. how much he cared. Right. About people seeing him. Like, yeah. th- he was getting sloppy. So did he leave his car? I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry. So, he, he was running sorry. to his car, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> I gotta stop with the BBL face, man. It's getting bad. <laughs> it was so good. Thank you. I need to work on the eyebrows, though. Yeah. I can't uh, do the eyebrows. Okay. Uh, Charles Gates reached the woman first, and he was the one in the wheelchair. And right after reaching the scene and seeing what lie before him, he shouted out, Oh, God, he slit her throat. <gasps> He noted that she did not seem to be breathing and she was not able to respond, and he checked for a pulse but didn't find one. Uh, he immediately began giving her CPR and mouth-to-mouth and instructed the Denny's employees to call 911. Oh. So, Dalkey is now realizing the reason why she's not responding is because she was absolutely covered in blood and had multiple stab wounds all over her body. Oh my gosh. Uh, Stan Connor and Richard Bergio... Bergio? I'm going to say Bergio. It sounds cooler. Yeah. Richard Bergio were bystanders to this whole thing when they saw Rogers running towards his car. So what did they decide to do? 
run after him. They were going to chase him. Yes. Yes. They hopped in their cars and attempted to block both of the entrances so he couldn't leave. But he drove over the sidewalk oh my and gosh. onto the road. And Mr. Richard Bergio, being the baddie that he is, yes. he was on his way to catch this man. Oh, uh, yeah. He chased him all the way into another town, reaching speeds of over 100 miles per hour. Whoa. Got his license plate number and gave it to the police. That's insane. I know. Look at him go. So... After he did all this, he returned to Denny's. What? To, what? like, try to help yeah, talk to the cops right. and stuff. Uh, where first responders were trying to revive the lady, but yeah. no avail. She was dead on arrival mm, to the hospital. That's sad. The, one, the man who heard the screaming from his apartment, Michael Fielding, was able to give police a detailed description of Dayton Rogers. Yes! Once the police had the license plate number, Bergio... Oh, once they had once the police had the license plate number Bergio collected, they ran it through their system. The license plate number was C Y W one nine four. For anyone curious, dang, look at her go with the information. <laughs> I try, I try uh, to find that this vehicle's owner was Mr. Dayton Leroy Rogers. We're not surprised. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, so what do they do? They go to his house at roughly five a.m. Yes. His car wasn't there, but they were informed that he was probably at his mechanic shop because he basically lived there. Right. And that Rogers sometimes worked very strange hours. So mm. they pack up again and go to the mechanic shop in Woodburn. He lived right outside of Canby. My grandparents lived in Canby for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> the way you stopped and looked at me, I was like, what? That's crazy. That blows Dude, my mind. Dude, I'm, I'm, my biggest flex is that my grandpa was a city manager. I'm obsessed with, I love That is grandpa. a big flex. He's literally driving down here right now really? from Oregon. Yeah. Aww. You know, he's having a great time. He loves road tripping. That's so, so awesome. Uh, it was roughly a 20-minute drive to Woodburn from Canby. Mm. And so, the cops knock on the door. This bozo of a man answers, lets them inside, and after the deputies and detective informed Rogers they were investigating an ongoing homicide... Roger's alibi was that he was working at the shop all night and drinking. Oh, right. Sorry, buddy. Uh, remember, this was only like two or three hours after the whole incident. Oh, my gosh. So. He really, he rushed there. He changed. He did. He, he probably like. He was. Threw something in the oven. Well, I've been here all night cooking. Right. Mean? I've been all, I've been just I've been, I've been, using my tools. I've been watching Howdy Doody. <laughs> I've been drinking the drinks. Uh, my screwdrivers. Uh, the screwdrivers. The investigator asked permission to search the place, and legally, you can deny that. It mm-hmm. makes you look sus, but right. you can deny it. So, Rogers not only let him, but encouraged him to search the truck as well. Oh. Which, if he was... I'm glad he's so stupid. Same. But, also, you didn't have to do that. You could have just been like, yeah, look around the building. Yeah, you're being a little extra, sir. Yeah, you're... So, Mr. <laughs> Investigator popped the hood to Roger's car, and he was not even able to touch anything because it was so hot. So, he was not at the shop all night. No. And it was so hot that that car had been ran very hard very recently. So, they already have this evidence, eyewitness accounts, a license plate number, blood stains inside Roger's vehicle, and then they see he has a wounded hand. Mm. And he claimed that he was cutting something with a hacksaw that evening but then had to go take a trip to Willamette Valley Hospital to get it treated. Okay. Um, they He was arrested on the spot and taken to Clackamas County Jail on suspicion of murder. 
And this is also around the same time they got a positive ID on Jennifer's body. Fast forward to Monday, August 31st, 1978. A crossbow hunter was doing his thing and trying to hunt on a private timber farm a little south of Malala when he stumbled upon the body of a woman who appeared to have been purposely hidden by some brush and she was in a very, very progressed state of decomp. So he did what I hope any normal person would do mm -hmm. and call the police. Okay, this body was hidden, well, I guess since we're almost there, bodies, these bodies were hidden on a very, very steep slope, which made getting to it quite a struggle. Oh, and no. so that's why they went so long without being discovered. Yeah. Uh, but investigators showed up and found the body the hunter informed them about. And the next day they continued their search because of the lack of daylight when they found the first body. Ugh. So they soon uncovered two more within 50 feet of where the first one had been found. Whoa. And all bodies showed that these women were victims of torture, stabbings, and mutilation. And one of the victim's feet had started to, been, to be removed. So, he, like, he would... And I don't know if this was pre... If this was... It's post-mortem, right? Post-mortem is after death. Yes. I don't... Did they say pre-mortem? I don't think I don't so. Think, I don't think they do. Post-mortem, yeah. Post, yeah, I don't know if it was before or after this victim died. But, like, the knife got two-thirds of the way through... Like, the ankle bone, basically, to cut the feet off. And the yeah. rest, he just yanked off. Like, he just yanked cracked, foot cracked the bone oh. and to yank it off. I can't even... I'm so glad I can't. But I can't even imagine even putting myself in a... Like, I would never do that. That's just no. insane. The, I know. Well, I can't even had, imagine... He had a raging foot fetish, remember? Yeah, right. So he got off Girl, he wouldn't like my feet. I ain't got no arches. <laughs> Same. <laughs> so... Uh, within five days of beginning their initial search, seven women total were brought out of this area of the forest. Wow. Their names were Lisa Marie Mock, she was 23, 26-year-old Lorraine Ann Hodges, 35-year-old Christine Lotus Adams, 26-year-old Nondis K. Cervantes, 16-year-old Retha Giles, and 21-year-old Cynthia Diane DeVore. Wow. One woman has not been identified to this day, and in 2013, remains of an eighth victim were found. And her name was Tanya Marie Johnston, and she was only 18 years old. When detectives were seeing this, they didn't automatically think Rogers, even though these women's bodies were very similar to Jennifer Smith's wounds, until one detective noticed empty vodka bottles. Mm. The tiny ones. And tiny orange juice <gasps> bottles. And the lead detective began focusing in on Rogers because they saw oh. a ton of those when they were in the mechanic shop and so, searching his car. Wait, so they found them in the forest yes. around the bodies? Yeah, he left hella evidence. He's so stupid. He, I'm, I'm glad I mean, he's I'm stupid. glad. I'm so glad he is. But yeah, what a dummy, right? That's so hilarious. now we're getting into the trial, which, okay. which is crazy. So Oh boy. It's still going on, basically. Really? The is last he update, alive still? He's very much alive. Unfortunate. Yeah, so his, I think he had his fifth resentencing last month. Whoa. Yeah, so I'll get into that in a second. Um, I, I mean, obviously you don't have to answer me if you're going to cover this, but are they all, were they all prostitutes then? There was only one that had no links to drugs or prostitution oh, okay. or sex work, which some of the articles that I was reading on this to get information, they were so disrespectful really to the victims. Cause That's unfortunate. I think six or seven out of the eight were prostitutes or drug addicts. Mm -hmm. And like one of the victims was described as a quote junkie from Portland. Mm. And I was like, That's 
That's not sad. Cute. She was still a person. Yeah, addiction is not. No, it's not a pretty thing. But no. you also don't like that's someone's child. Yeah, that's a life. Could have been someone's mother. You know, right? A lot of these women were mothers too. Yeah, which is really sad. I'm so sad, dude. But yeah, I was like, can we please get some better journalists or something? Yeah, let's be respectful here. At least they're murder victims. It doesn't matter what I they know, were doing before. Exactly. And now we're getting into the trial, which I don't understand, like, legal stuff at all. Same sort so of. So, I, I try, I act like I do, but I absolutely do not. <laughs> be confident. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. I know, but I don't want, like, a lawyer to listen to this one day and be like, actually. Yeah, no, same. <laughs> or somebody who's very that educated. That happened one time on Reddit. Really? Oh, yeah. Ew. I was like, I was like, well, here's what I heard about, like, this case that was going on, and this lawyer hopped on and, like, whooped my ass, and I was oh, like, I hate girl. That. So Girl. embarrassing. I literally said, I don't know what I'm talking about, but here's what I heard. <laughs> and they just went to town, man. I was like, I'm deleting my account. <laughs> I always put a disclaimer. I'm actually really dumb, but I heard this. Okay. <laughs> Maybe that just needs to be like our bio on Instagram. <laughs> yeah. So now we're getting into the trial, like I've said three times already. But one detective maintained that they had enough evidence for Rogers to go to court on murder charges. And what's even crazier is that the last update slash movement in the case was last month. That's crazy. So this stuff is still happening. They still don't have. I think it got it got postponed actually. Oh. So his fifth se- sentencing was supposed to be last month, but they postponed it again mm. because of a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo. So Stupid. the official trial began in February of 1988, and his attorney was Arthur Noss, who basically told the jury to not judge Rogers' sexual preferences, but to judge the criminal act. So okay, murder. Yeah. I think that's what we're judging also, here. Also, like, part of the, his part of sexual the murder. whatever, like, was yeah. the murder. Was, that was like part he wanted, of, You can't he have one without the other. Them. Yeah. Like, you can't, you can't really separate them. Exactly. And he had kind of a bad attorney, not gonna lie. Yeah. <laughs> um, he admitted that Rogers did kill Jennifer Smith because they had too much evidence for them to even deny that. But he did so in self-defense. So the defense's whole story was that Jennifer was a strung-out drug addict prostitute who just wanted to rob Rogers of $200 she saw in his wallet. And she attempted to stab him in the Denny's parking lot while he stopped to take a piss. Girl. That was his story. He's so stupid. It's so dramatic. So I know. They had former victims, or I guess almost victims. No, they were victims. So they had former victims come in to testify, including his former girlfriend he stabbed in the woods, the 15-year-old. Whoa. So the defense was basically just going for anything but the death penalty, with his lawyer saying, no one wants Mr. Rogers released. You don't. I don't. I don't know if he even wants to be released. So they just wanted him to not die, basically. Yeah. So. Which is... Yeah. I guess as a defense lawyer, that's what you're supposed to go for is like yeah. the lowest sentence if someone's right. guilty. How do you feel about the death penalty? I don't know how I feel about it. I I guess for me, it honestly switches from case to case. Same. It kind of is. I was listening yeah. to one about John Wayne Gacy the past couple of days and mm. I was like, this guy deserved to die. Yeah. But then other people, like, I don't know, but it's like to the me- same thing though. Because like, look yeah. at what he did to women and I'm still like. I think life in prison would have been enough. Yeah, 100%. Make it like a rough life in prison. Yeah, very rough. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's always... I don't know. There's always an opportunity for somebody to know Jesus. Yeah. I guess that's why for me it's hard to like... Yeah, I guess biblically speaking, there is no death penalty. Yeah. 
like that's not it's not our job as, as humans to right right which is kind of my stance on it but yeah. I also don't know it's it's a hard thing I think yeah I think a lot of people struggle I with try it. to lean that way but then like my emotions get in the way and I'm like oh that guy deserved to die yeah you know? same. like who am I to say that so right anyways I guess just a little side note a little side I just note. wanted to have a little discussion about that <laughs> <laughs> so after only four hours of deliberation the jury decided that he would not be a threat to other human life as long as he was given a life sentence so that's exactly what the judge did but the jury forgot about one important thing in their sentencing that they gave him, basically, is they forgot to decide on a life sentence without the possibility of parole. No. Meaning the sentence they unanimously decided on would make Rogers eligible for parole one day. How did they just forget that? Um, I don't, I don't know. I, it must have been some kind of, like, technicality in, like, the paperwork, oh, okay. maybe. I have no idea how that That's works. just so weird, because to me, that's, like, their job. Well, they're you just know? citizens like you and me. Oh, oh, jury. you're talking about the jury. Yeah, the jury. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you call Sorry. me and I have no idea what I'm doing right now. <laughs> yeah, no, same. So, I would be like, ah, what? <laughs> Am I allowed to laugh? So, <laughs> those, that was only the first trial, and he gets his name, the Malala Forest Killer, from the six, the six or no, the seven bodies that were found in the forest. Mm. So this trial was for the murders of the women found in the forest, but not the one at the time that was unidentified. Although, it, did that make sense? Wait, say it again, sorry. So, this next trial was for the murders of the seven women that were found in the forest. Oh, sorry. The six, because they weren't including the one that was that, unidentified. Oh, okay. Okay, right. I see. So, they were sure that it was him, but they didn't have enough to get him on, basically. Oh. Uh, he had a new lawyer this time around, Christopher Burris, and the prosecution team just saw this trial as another chance to get Rogers sentenced to death. So, the prosecution was going for the death penalty mm -hmm. hard. Mm. So, the official trial began on March 30th, 1989, with an all-women panel of jurors. Oh. Girl boss. Kinda, that is kind of swag. Gaslight geek, keep girl boss. <laughs> so. Look at him go. Well, the article that I was reading when I mentioned this part, it was like, it's very interesting considering the crimes. Yeah. Because they didn't mean to do it like that, either. They just, oh, wow. They just sent just out jury duty to people, and they just all happened to be women. That's really kind of cool yeah so they're serving justice i know really these i know women. i kind of kind of badass I, kind of feels I, I don't really consider empowering. myself a feminist but like <laughs> <laughs> a light one i'm just a light i just a light one yeah so anyways i don't want to get canceled uh, the prosecution went in on this man they described everything in horrific detail of what he did to th these women like every single little thing and this trial lasted five weeks Whoa. That's how that's how far in detail and like how impactful they were being. That's crazy. So remember when I mentioned the woman that was tortured for six hours by him? Yes. She came back and testified. <gasps> yes. She testified against him. So Dude. she gave gruesome detail about what he did to her. And one of Roger's relatives who helped him open up his mechanic shop mm -hmm. and close it down after Rogers was arrested, testified against him talking about all of the weird, strange things he had found while closing up the Good. shop. Good. I'm glad that yeah. he didn't back him up in that. One of the victim's daughters, uh, the victim's name was Christine Adams. Her daughter came in, and she said... Oh, yeah. She testified saying that some decorative buttons that were found in Rogers' wood stove belonged to a pair of jeans that her mother owned. That's and so that's how sad. she was able to not identify her, but also kind of identify her. Yeah. And know for sure that... It was her mom. Yeah. yeah. And she was only 15 at the time of her testimony, and she was she could not contain it. 
mm. the entire time. She just was sobbing. That's awful. So after six hours of jury deliberation, they found him guilty on every count of murder. So he's guilty, but now I have to figure out the sentences. And if I'm being honest, both sides give really good closing arguments. His defense mm. being like, don't give him the death penalty, just put him away for life, no parole. Right. And then the prosecution obviously gave really good reasons on why he should die. <laughs> Yeah. After 17 hours of jury deliberation, Rogers was to be sentenced to death by lethal injection. Ooh. So now we get into his sentencing and the timeline of everything. I couldn't really find much. Like I said, I'm really bad with timelines. I just know that he's been resentenced four times and the fifth okay. one just got postponed. Oh, okay. So, so was the fifth one, it was supposed to be like this you last it's supposed to be last month oh okay yeah Yeah, yeah. april 6th i want to say that is that's so crazy like when you have cases that are like sort of current and they're like yeah they're like court this is in 1989 so it's been 30 years yeah a little over 30 years. i don't know yeah i think so i don't know so he's still in prison technically on death row Mm -hmm. but Oregon changed the laws while he was on death row okay saying that his the only reason you can get the death penalty in Oregon is aggravated murder. Oh. But he wasn't charged with aggravated murder. Right. So technically he can't get the death, death penalty, penalty. But he has he's been going up for resentencing like every I wanna say like eight years, seven years ish, it seems like. Mm. That's the pattern kind of. So he's currently like I said, technically on death row. He's 68 years old, so I'm wondering if they're just waiting for him to die. Yeah. Of natural causes, because... Right. It's kind of old. And like I said, again, like, Oregon doesn't have a great justice system. I feel like nobody really knows what's going on. Yeah. So, yeah. that is the story of Dayton Leroy Rogers. Wow. What a guy. That was a speedy one. Yeah, that I felt like that was really quick i feel like that was gonna be a lot longer well my this is only the second episode that i've done yeah that's true i've done that? three i know <laughs> i feel like we've oh. done more <laughs> my back hurts now i have to like look like quasimodo to like get close <laughs> to the microphone <laughs> look like quasimodo yeah that's why i kind of sat like this oh, oh. don't listen that um, that wasn't me it was oh my god what was that i don't know what was that <laughs> <laughs> i think it was a ghost Okay, that's all I that's all I have for today. Oh, right. I guess I will Oh man, we're not going to record for a while. I know. I'm not really sad. Only like a week and a half maybe. Oh, okay. It'll be good. I'll have ooh, I'll have a lot of time to work on my case, mm-hmm. which I haven't worked on since I found it. Yeah. I just did a little. Okay. So. Uh can y'all tell that I always I always rush the end of it? Cuz like the sentencing stuff is like I was like I don't oh. really know what's going on, but like I'm a little confused, <laughs> but I don't know. I started that like when I started that a while ago, didn't I? The this case. This case. Yeah, yeah you've been working on it for a while. I finished it today. Wow. I'm such a procrastinator, man. I cannot like get my stuff together. I am similar. I wish I was better at that. Maybe that'll Same. be my New Year's, my new marriage resolution. <laughs> Your new marriage resolution. <laughs> Not procrastinate things. I need to clean. Well, and you know, like I feel like as we do more episodes, I think we're gonna get better at researching. That's true. You know, oh, if any listeners are still here, we got stickers. Oh, we did. And if you'd like to buy a sticker, please DM either my personal account or, or the Uncovered Podcast yes. account. Because... Don't DM my personal account. We will send you a signed letter. 
And Ooh. if you order before Saturday, May 28th, you will get a limited edition of my last signatures before I'm married and change my last <gasps> name. That's those exclusive. Could be worth, those could be worth a lot of money one day, guys. Yeah, we're going to be so rich and famous. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, po- a possibility. It's a possibility. Is that possibility? Is that a word? No. Oh, you just said it. It's in the uncovered dictionary, remember? Oh, wait. Wait, what did I say? It was like two episodes ago, and I was like, Girl, we need to I stop don't rambling. Know. I know. I have Anyways. no idea what you're talking about. I probably oh. looked so confused that whole time. You, you did. I was, I was like, <laughs> I was trying to process what you were saying. Okay. All that's right. all, guys. Anyways, thanks so much for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time with my episode. See y'all and later. Emma, Emma's episode was so great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank Side you. note. And I'm going to be married next time. I see y'all. So, Woo. bye. Bye. Oh. That was good. I feel like.